This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Gordon Damer. So we're talking about the uh, the NFL and the Jets and Giants. And I, I laid it out. The Giants are a year behind where the Jets are. But I got to be honest with you. The more you look at this season coming up, I think it's fair to say there are more reasons to be optimistic about the Giants than there are about the Jets. Which is kind of an indictment. If that turns out to be the case, that's kind of an indictment on the Jets. Now, part of the problem with the Giants is it's like how it ended is how you remember it. And last year for the Giants ended, at least on offense, in about as embarrassing a fashion as it could. I mean, they were a bad offensive team with Daniel Jones. When he went down, they were not an NFL offense. They were not an NFL offense. In their final six games, they averaged nine points. And the only reason why it was that high was because they scored two touchdowns in a garbage-time fourth quarter against the Chargers where they were losing 37-3. to So it could have been a whole lot worse. It felt worse. I remember watching on Sundays. It was like watching a car wreck, man. Like you can't look away, but you don't like what you're seeing. And they did have some winnable games in the start of the year that they did, weren't able to cash in on the Broncos game to start the year, the Washington game, certainly on the field goal, Atlanta. Um, so I don't know. Maybe the Giants aren't as horrendously bad as we think based on how they played last year because last year it definitely felt like uh, that whatever talent they did have, they weren't getting a whole lot out of it. And once Daniel Jones went down, it all, all bets were off. So I, I know it's been mentioned before. Uh, I've heard Jordan Ronan mention it many times. The thing you like about this Giants team is they're loaded with guys with something to prove. And now you might say, well, every team has guys with something to prove. No, the Giants have guys who are playing for their jobs. They're playing for their careers, right? Like, is, is, is there another team? If Daniel Jones fails this year, and it's clear, like either he gets hurt or he just plays terribly, and you know he is not the long-term solution at quarterback – is anyone else giving that guy a starting job anywhere? Nah, I guess it's possible. Sam Darnold got a – no, I'm just kidding. But nobody's giving that guy a starting job. This is it. This is his chance. And Saquon Barkley is, is, is not just playing for his team. He's playing for a contract, and he's out to kind of prove that he's not a bust. I mean, we've all been talking about his comments about uh, he's going to go crazy. He's talking on a podcast. He's going to prove all the doubters and haters wrong. Well, here's the thing. That's completely up to him. Like, I, it, it, the way he's presenting it, it's like he's been unfairly maligned. Outside of his rookie season, he's been bad. And unfortunately for him, it's not his fault, being the second pick in a draft when he was a running back coming to a team that had been dreadful, that didn't make a whole lot of sense at the time. And that one also has been proven. That was a mistake. But even for the, take the mistake part out of it, because that's not his part where he got drafted. He's not been good. He's been hurt constantly. And last year, he was unproductive when he played. Now, maybe that was he was dealing with injuries maybe we didn't know about. Maybe he was recovering from the previous year and the knee injury. I'm not sure. But when the backup running back was in there, Booker, he looked better than Saquon did. So for Saquon to say he's going to, by, by all means, go right ahead. <laughs> who's stopping you? The only person who's stopping you is you. The other thing about the Giants is you'd have to think that they got 
a coaching upgrade. Now, even if it's not an upgrade, it can't possibly be a downgrade. I don't know. No one knows what Brian Dable's going to be as a head coach, but he can't be any worse than the guy. I mean, I mean, last year, the Giants did not want to fire Joe Judge, and he made it impossible to not fire Joe Judge. So if, if Brian Dable just shows you some signs that he's, you know, he's got things kind of figured out after being an assistant coach and, and an offensive coordinator before, and, and for a long time, I mean, he's been the coach, he's not, you know, some fresh young guy, you know, he's been around the block once or twice. I think that's an upgrade. And then, of course, you have the schedule as well. The Jets and Giants schedules are far different. According to uh, Warren Sharp, Giants' easiest schedule in 2022. And it's like they either play games that they're, they're – chances are they play either really tough games or as easy a game as you can have. And I, what I like about Warren Sharp's model is he doesn't base it on what the team did the year before, like the team you're playing. You're not, he's not basing it on that record. He's basing it on the projected win totals for this season. And it's generally played out pretty well. Like last year of the 10 teams he had with the hardest schedules, only three of them went over their projected win totals. And of the 10 teams he had with the the easiest schedule, also only three went over. So, I mean, you're talking about, you know, 70% accuracy. So he has the Giants with the easiest schedule, and he's got the Jets with the 27th schedule, the 27th easiest schedule. So, like, what, the sixth hardest? And that was even before you're talking about the Zach Wilson injury to start the year. I know that the Jets avoided the worst-case scenario when it comes to Zach Wilson. They also avoided the best-case. The best-case scenario was that Zach Wilson, year two, was going to take this big step forward. And, and look, there's still the chance for that when he gets back, whenever that is. But you know, based on this injury, I talked to uh, Rich Samini filling in for uh, Rick and Dave during the week, and he made it clear, everybody's made it clear, the Jets are not going to play Zach Wilson until he is a. They are not taking any chances with Zach Wilson, which is the right move. Of course not. He's your franchise quarterback. You know, well, he's, 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 he says he's seventy five percent. Ah, rub some dirt on it. Get out there. No, of course you're not going to do that. You're going to wait until he's a hundred percent. And and maybe that is after week one, and he only misses the opening week of the season. And and generally, week one of the NFL season is the most overblown thing in the world. Everybody that wins week one, oh my gosh, they're going to the playoffs. Every team that loses week one, the season's on the line. So maybe week one is not that big a deal to, to, to be missing him, but it's not the ideal situation. It's not the way you draw it up. After last year, seeing what you got to see from Zach Wilson, you knew that there, he gave you more promise. He showed you more in the second half after he came back from the injury, but he's still got a lot of things to work on. And when that season ended last year, nobody said, you know what would be the perfect thing? Let's sit him out for the first couple of weeks of the season with an injury while he's recovering from that, and, and then maybe he gets in there week three. That's not, that's not an ideal situation. So, yes, the Jets did avoid the worst-case scenario, but they also avoided the best-case scenario with having Zach Wilson ready to go season opener against Baltimore. And I have to be honest with you, I think some people are vastly overrating what Joe Flacco has left in the tank. It does feel like, you know, when, when you got the news about Zach Wilson, it was like, okay, he's going to miss a week, maybe two. Who knows? But certainly week one, he's going to be out. But don't worry, the Jets got Joe Flacco. I think people are getting a little carried away with what they, you know, Joe Flacco's 37 years old. Um, I, I don't think that there's a team in the league 
that would if I told you you're star, you know, you're not a Jet, Jet fan, you're a fan of another team, your starter got hurt, and now you're going to have to ride with Joe Flacco for the first couple of weeks. I don't think anybody would be feeling good about that. So for those reasons, I think that there might actually be more reasons for optimism with the Giants. Now, look, the I, I think it's actually counterproductive for the Giants to, to have a, a surprisingly good year because they are a work in progress, and there's a lot of work, and there hasn't been a whole lot of progress. So uh, I don't know that necessarily going out there and surprising by winning seven games is, is really in their best long-term interest if they have to figure out finding a solution at quarterback and it's not Daniel Jones and all these different things. But I, I can see a reason why, you know, for, for Giants. Look, everybody's optimistic at this time of year, but I can see why fans of the Giants might be a little bit more realistic in their optimism than maybe the Jets at least to start the year for sure. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go back to the phones. Ty is in Queens. Ty, you're next up on ESPN New York tonight. Yeah, what's up, boys? How you doing tonight, fellas? I'm good, Ty. What's going on, man? I'm good, man. I'm a Jets fan. I understand you feel a little optimistic about Joe, but I think Joe's going to show the world something these couple of games. He got a starting quarterback this year. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so kind. Like honestly, Ty, if 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 you if Joe Flacco was not starting for the Jets, if if he were starting for you know I, I don't know um, the Indianapolis Colts, the Colts lose their quarterback, uh, Matt Ryan goes down, and they're going to have to start Joe Flacco. Are you saying you know what? I think Joe Flacco's got. He's gonna. He's gonna show. He's gonna shock the world. Is that still the case, or is it just the fact that it, you're a Jet fan and he's your Jet quarterback? Probably because I'm just a Jets fan. That's my Jets quarterback. I think he would do good too over there in Indy because they have a good defense. Yeah, I believe defense win championships. The Jets defense is going to be good this year. Our running game is going to be good, and I think our receivers are going to really show y'all something too. I know we're young as far as like everything the position was, but we got something to prove this year. So I think we're going to show. Oh no, absolutely. And look, I think Elijah Moore is going to have a big season. I got my fantasy draft tomorrow night, so Elijah Moore is one of my targets. I think he could have a big year, and the Jets are certainly more talented than they've been in a very long time. I will grant you that. Now, big season, a surprising, a solid season. I, I, I don't know what that means. You know, to me, a solid season means you're right around 500. I don't know that I necessarily see that. I, I don't know if I, I foresee that. I, you'd kind of have to know how long Zach Wilson's going to be out, right? You know, for all the talk about the start of the season, Jet, I heard enough people telling me how brutal that the first four games of the season are, and that was when Zach Wilson was playing. You might have to play half of those games with your backup quarterback. That does not, that does not make those games any easier. Now, you knew that you were going to be going up against Cleveland without almost certainly Deshaun Watson, and that's the case, so you'd be going up against Jacoby Brissett. That's a, that's a, that's a good break. Uh, and the Steelers situation, quarterback, it doesn't look, you know, maybe Kenny Pickett is that guy. I don't know. Uh, but they're, you know, they're always going to be a tough team with Mike Tomlin. They never finished below 500 with him. So I'm not saying it's a rollover game, but those first four games, you wanted to have Zach Wilson out there so you could get right. You don't want to hit the ground running, right? You don't want anything uh, slowing you down. But I, I don't know. Uh, th th this is not the ideal situation going into a season with your bat, your 37-year-old backup quarterback. I don't know that that is one that's uh, filling me with a whole lot of hope. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up more of your phone calls. We'll talk some Knicks, talk some Brooklyn Nets with KD staying in Brooklyn, <laughs> whether he likes it or not. 
Lots of stuff to do. It is Gordon Damer on 98.7 FM ESPN New York. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Gordon Damer. And this one makes no sense to me at all, and other teams have done this. They sit out Flacco in the last preseason game against Atlanta. But then they announced that he's going to play in the next preseason. Like, you already lost one quarterback. It's crazy to me that coaches who are such control freaks about every single thing would allow something like that to possibly derail their season. Like, the the only reason why Zach – it's not – it's just luck, basically, that Zach Wilson – injury was not more significant than that because at first it looked like it was it was going to be much more significant than that and if it's only a week okay fine you 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 dodged a bullet but it just doesn't make sense to me not just the Jets other teams as well like why you would like you're telling me that Joe Flacco is going to be that much more sharp because he he took a couple of snaps in a preseason game where you know you're you're opening up the the possibility of injury and you're already down to your second string quarterback I, I the risk versus the reward uh, does not make a whole lot of sense to me. I get that you have to play these games, and they are important for for guys to to make the team, you know, further down the roster. But your your skill position, especially your quarterback, there's nothing more important than your quarterback, and you're already down one. Uh, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Let's go to uh, Paul is in Queens. Paul, next up on ESPN New York tonight. Gordon, how are you? I'm good, Paul. What's going on, man? So exactly what you just said is perfectly put. I mean, you should make a request and call Steve Cohen to, like, you know, convince Woody Johnson to sell the team because the risk <laughs> and the reward. Perfectly. Good. Listen, Gordon, I call you all the time with Larry. I've been a fan for many years, season ticket holder, blah, 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 waving the stupid towel and all that. This is all propaganda. The bottom line is this. This, this organization is in a dilemma this year for two particular reasons, and they have to act quickly or they're going to lose a lot of fans. One, you know, their quarterback, if he does, if he gets hurt again, it's over for him. I mean, the guy is small. He's got a pattern of getting hurt. He was hurt in BYU. The second thing is this coach. If this coach does not produce with all the tools that, that, are, that Joe Douglas gave him there and enough of this all gas and no break, you know, you know whatever. Right, that, that only goes so there's far. There's no production and there's a fifth. And we're in the top five. We need to do the following. Either pick another quarterback, a big kid, that can play, or we have to make a decision here. Because if you keep stretching it all the time, you know, we become a laughing stock. And at some point, it's a parallelism to, like, the Mets. Look what the Mets have done. They've turned around, got a new owner, got out of the lethargic world that the Jets are in, you know, started producing, you know, with, uh, with results by bringing adequate people in there and people who are skillful. You know, Robert Sal is a good rah-rah-rah guy. You know, he's like a George Allen that were years ago. You know what I mean? Raw, raw, raw. But he's not a tactical guy. I think that they're going to have to come to some conclusion or they will lose more than their fan base because their fan base is sick and tired of spending over $100 to go see, you know, all this disorganization, like you said in your opening monologue, Gordon. Have a great night, buddy. Thank you. All right, Paul. I appreciate the phone call. Well, look, I think it's much more on the on the on the quarterback um, right now than the coach. I mean, both are. I shouldn't say that. I mean, both are still up for judgment. I mean, it's the NFL, right? I mean, you don't get like last year was the anomaly. You don't get many honeymoon periods where it's like, oh, he's this guy's here. He, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in terms of wins and losses this year. We'll give him a pass this first year. That's the, the NFL, not for long, right? The old Jerry Glanville line. So 
look, there's a lot riding on the quarterback. The quarterback has to be able to show you that he has made the, he has to have like a Jared Goff type year two. Like when Jared Goff came into the league, he was a disaster that first year. And I remember Lewis Riddick saying, no, I've, I've seen him year two. He's going to be better. He was much better. Um, and obviously things have changed since then, but that's the type of thing that, you, that Zach Wilson's, he's got to take a size. It's not just like, hey, we got to see a little bit of progress. It's got to be a pretty sizable step forward because here's the thing. And we we're talking about Sam Darnold earlier. You would have to say, if, if it's true that the Jets are now loaded up with after all these draft picks that Joe Douglas has made, and the dra- this draft pick is great and that draft pick is great, there's certainly far more talent on, on, this, on this offense. This is a far more talented team than it was three, five years ago. So if you can no longer use the same excuses that you've used in the past. Well, like, who's he supposed to throw to? What's he supposed to do? He's got no time to throw. At some point, it's got to be about the quarterback. And you've got to see far more progress from Zach Wilson than you saw in year one. Year one was glaring in how bad it was. It was glaring how much he struggled at times. Now, he, he looked better in, once he came back from the injury. He looked better in the second half of the year than he did the first half of the year. But I also remember that... That was one said about Sam Darnold, and I think you had a better argument about Sam Darnold than you did about Zach Wilson. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. So coming up, let's get into the Knicks a little bit. I've not talked any Knicks, have not talked any Brooklyn Nets, and both things are uh, very interesting. Things starting to percolate again on the Donovan Mitchell trade reports, and now we have a little bit more clarity, I guess at least for now, who knows how long that will last in terms of what's going on with the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant. And, and, and just really how unlikely, if this is how things are going to turn out and he is now going to be there for the long term, how unlikely that really is. So we'll do that coming up next. It's Gordon Damer. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Gordon Damer. Back in our normal uh, time slot. Oh, it feels so good. Feels so good. Not having to wake up before the the day has begun. Waking up the night before. That is rough. Especially because I did. I went vacation. Jumping back in. Filling in for Rick and Dave. That is a tough adjustment period. You think landing at Newark Airport is tough. You, You go from, you know, a beautiful vacation. You know the vacation is over when you're standing at the baggage carousel of Newark Airport. There's never thing and there's never been anything more glaringly different than you go from like Disney World, the happiest place on earth, to the absolute polar opposite, Newark Airport. But uh, coming back from vacation and jumping into that time slot, this is this is much more my speed. So uh, I did want to touch on the Donovan Mitchell stuff because uh, that was there when I left. It's still there now. It's what day of the uh, the Donovan Mitchell national nightmare is it uh, onto now? Is it sixty days? Is it 55 it has to be around there that this has been going on and it's going to continue to go on until he gets traded and it does feel like he a will get traded and b that he will wind up with the knicks it definitely feels like at some point i don't know what it is i don't know what the deal will end up being i'm interested to see what that deal is but it kind of just feels like the the details are figured out and now it's just haggling over the price 
because if there was ever going to be, a, you know, sometimes a name becomes available and the expectation is, well, this person is going to get traded here or there. And then it doesn't happen right away. And you think, oh, well, it's still going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. But then another team will pop up. Another team will pop up. And then sometimes the situation changes. That has not been the case. Since the name Donovan Mitchell, from the moment the Jazz traded away Rudy Gobert, it felt like, okay, if you're trading away Rudy Gobert, you're going to trade away Donovan Mitchell. It makes no sense to, to halfway a rebuild. So if you're trading one away, you got to trade the other one away. And at first it was, no, they're going to rebuild around Rudy Gobert, around Donovan Mitchell. That doesn't make any sense. So eventually they will trade him. And I do think that eventually he will wind up on the Knicks. And it makes sense for the Knicks to acquire him. It makes sense for the Jazz to trade him. What doesn't make sense are these latest reports that either the Knicks are willing to give up R.J. Barrett or mostly that Danny Ainge wants R.J. Barrett. That, to me, makes zero sense. The Jazz are in teardown mode. They're in tank mode. You don't trade away Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell to be, uh, you know, sideways move, you know, like we're trying to rebuild on the fly. No. If you're getting rid of those kind of players, you're doing the full tank. And it might be different if they had somebody else running the show, but Danny Ainge is not going to halfway the rebuild. He wants to tear it down, blow it up, and get as many picks back as he can. He wants picks. He wants unprotected picks. Next year's draft is a very strong one. That's Danny Ainge's MO. It makes absolutely no sense for the Utah Jazz to want to bring back a player like R.J. Barrett, who's a nice player, who's the developing player, a player I like a lot. He keeps getting better every single year. But he's, you know, he's a little bit older. He's not, I don't think he's ever going to be a, a franchise superstar type player. I don't think he's ever going to be a, a number one on a playoff team. And he's a guy that's looking to get paid. He's looking to get a max rookie contract. So to me, that makes absolutely no sense. The real, the, where the rubber will hit the road in terms of a trade for Donovan Mitchell is how many unprotected picks are the Knicks going to give up? According to the latest reports was it was going to, they wanted to give up two. I'm sure they only want, right, you're, you only want to give up two. Here, here's all these other picks that, you know, are not as valuable. No, the Knicks are going to have to give up their own picks. They're going to have to give up unprotected picks. And I think that that's, you know, we can, we can haggle about this guy being involved or that guy being involved. The players, to me, uh, I, I don't really worry so much. Now, I'm not going to give up all the players. I'm not going to give up all the players because I realize I'm probably going to have to give up a ton of picks. So I'm not going to give up everything for Donovan Mitchell because at the end of the day, Donovan Mitchell does not take the Knicks from where they are to a guaranteed top four seed in the Eastern Conference. I don't know that there's any player that can do that. And I don't think he's that player. But I, w I think he improves the Knicks, and I think he improves the Knicks, especially if you keep R.J. Barrett. But to me, it makes no sense that the Knicks would include R.J. Barrett. The point is to have R.J. Barrett play along Mitchell, not to – that's that's far more – it's not, a, it's not a, um, a lateral move because Donovan Mitchell is a far better player than R.J. Barrett, but it's, it's closer to a lateral move than, than you would think. And, you know, it's okay to give up some future picks down the road because you're getting the player now and you're hoping by improving now the picks will be less value. I mean, what did the Knicks pick last year? I, I just was asking somebody, I think it was the 11th they picked. And they were six games out of, a play, out of the play-in. 
and they had the 11th pick. So I don't know how valuable those picks are going to actually turn out to be. So I don't mind paying a little bit more in picks and a little less in players. But, you know, if there's no there's no deal breaker to me on the Knicks in terms of players. The only deal breaker is it can't be all the players. I'm not giving you Grimes and Obi and R.J. Barrett and, and a whole bunch of picks as well. It has to be, you know, you can have a couple of players, you can have a couple of picks, and uh, we'll move on from there. Now, do you have any interest in Evan Fournier? 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. All right, let's go back to the phones. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Emil is in the car. Emil, you're next up on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, Gordon, how you doing? Uh, I'm good, man. I uh, like your style. Thank you, uh, I like your style of broadcasting. Uh, but I was talking, when you were talking about Joe Flacco, I just have to disagree with you because I feel like, you know, Zach Wilson sitting behind Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco being a Super Bowl winning quarterback, might do Zach Wilson some good because last year when Joe Flacco took over, he made good use of his weapons. Well, he made far better use of his weapons than, than Zach Wilson, but, I mean, part of that was Zach, that Zach Wilson. Wilson wasn't very good. I mean, look, if, if you're talking that Zach Wilson can't beat out Joe Flacco, you got a big problem with, with Zach Wilson. I mean, Joe Flacco is 37 that, years if old. There was I no mean, real competition there. What's that? There was no real competition based, there was no real competition based off of Zach Wilson's uh, draft pick. Like, he was like, you know, their first right. I think they made a mistake. They didn't have a veteran there to kind of teach him the ropes a little bit. But if if in year two, Zach Wilson is not significantly better than Joe Flacco at 37 years of age, the Jets are in major problems. They got major problems. Well, there's not a lot of rookie quarterbacks that start for teams that do well. That's not really how it goes. We've moved away from that. Most of the great quarterbacks have sat behind somebody for a year or two years, and that's how they became great. Even – even uh um, what's his name on KC? Patrick Mahomes. This guy, he right. Patrick Mahomes. He sat behind uh. Right. Well, they were a playoff team, right? I mean, they were a playoff. Yeah. They sat. He, he sat behind. Um, what's his name? They got the the leg hurt. Uh, Alex uh, Smith. Um, yeah. I Alex mean, Smith. Yeah. He sat right. behind Alex Smith for almost. The, he, he started the last think, game of his rookie year. That, but they were a playoff. They were like a ten or eleven that. win team. Yeah, but you don't think that Patrick Mahomes was outplaying Alex Smith in practice before he started. Yeah, but they were they were a playoff team. They had playoff aspirations that year and they realized what they had, but they didn't need to put him in those games and they have a, you know, th- there's a um there's a certain expectation that you're not going to just all of a sudden, you know, put a rookie in when you're a team that's a good team, right? Like you can you can have a high drafted quarterback and sit him for a little while if the team is pretty good. But if the team is ter- if the Jets go out there and they're a four or five win team, and they have the second pick in the draft sitting on the bench, what's the point? Well, they're almost in the same position, right? Just because the team is winning a bunch of games and you're winning, like the Jets are losing, so they're almost taking like the same risk. You know what I'm saying? Like the Jets are risking to become better, but while the Chiefs we're risking to, like, you know, become better also. Well, so they're the, almost the, the in the Chiefs same were, position. The Chiefs were already good. They they were already at one level, and they thought that Mahomes had the potential to take him to a higher level eventually, but they weren't going to risk it in his rookie year because they had Alex Smith. And that made sense. Right. The Jets, it makes yeah. no sense to be s- s- sitting the second pick in the draft for a year when you're winning four or five games. That doesn't make any sense. Well, I like, just what's the point know, of taking what? him second? Like, at some point, you got to get him well, in there. 
that's true, but that's just the frame of mind that the NFL is taking now because it's like so pass happy. But honestly, what rookie quarterback has come out and really like showed? Well, I, I don't know. Mike Jones looked pretty Joe good last Burrow. year. But that's two. There's 32 teams. Well, not everybody's drafting quarterbacks. Not, not everybody's drafting quarterbacks every single year. No, but the ones that are looking to get better. Well, let's just talk. Well, let's just look at the quarterbacks that are like you know Hall of Famers and stuff like that. All right. Tom Brady sat behind Drew Brees. Uh, uh, Bledsoe, but uh, he only sat for a Drew year, Bledsoe, uh, and he got hurt, and he came in there, and he was he was there from there from that point on. Okay, I mean like. But he, every but situation the point is, is different. That he sat. So, so I mean, what are you what, what are you saying that I mean the Jets are a bad team? So what you, I'm you take a quarterback that, with a second I'm pick saying. and you just sit him for three years? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, at some no, point you, you got to play. You learn by doing. Years, but if if you learn by doing, then you should have already learned because Sam Darnold. We had the same situation with Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater should have played that year, and Sam Darnold should have sat, and then the next year, Sam Darnold should have. You well, know, it would have been the know. same. I mean, you would have just wasted a year. Well, see, the thing is, Emil, and thanks for the phone call, is now with the, the rookie contracts being what they are, you draft the quarterback high up, and you're hoping that you're not spending so much money on the quarterback, you can spend the money in other areas. It doesn't always work. You know, if you're, if you're spending the money improperly, that's not going to help you. But this idea that, I mean, the days, unless you have an answer at quarterback already and you just so happen, you know, you're like the Packers situation or – or the Chiefs situation, but most of these guys—I mean, the Bills—they didn't—they didn't—they didn't sit uh, Josh Allen. They threw him out there right away. And was it was it rough? Yeah, it was rough in the beginning. But you you learn by doing. It, you're going to have to undergo some bumps when you when you get in there, no matter who you are. So why delay the inevitable? And you can't be winning three and four games. And have the second pick in the draft sitting on your bench because you're like, well, you know, we'll start him two years from now. It would be better for him to just sit and watch. <laughs> I don't know. I think at some point you got to get in there. Dante is in Queens. Dante, you're next up on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, um, hey, thanks for taking my phone call. I appreciate that, Dante. Um, I just wanted to chime in on, I guess, what they would call the latest Mitchu rumors and as far as um, RJ, it, it, I agree with the point you made. It, it makes zero sense when you know RJ is due up for an extension. Somebody has to pay him, you know. So it, the, the, the whole thing about it, it, the only thing I could, that, that I think why his name is coming out, because Danny Ainge knows that right now that's our, you know, biggest asset. And I guess he, I guess it's just his way of being a grade A a hole, basically, because <laughs> it makes zero sense. And yeah. if I'm Leon Rose, the package I'm putting forth, Ob Quentin Grimes, um, the the five picks, and I guess you would have to use Fournier for a salary filler since he makes about like eighteen million a year. But um, if if they're really serious about RJ, hang up the phone. RJ's a six-six wing, plays both ends of the floor. The point of making a Mitchell trade is so you could pair him with somebody right. like RJ. And we obviously know, and I'm not a Julius Randle hater. I like Randle a lot, but, you know, his trade value is low. No, Nobody wants him, so you're just going to have to hope that he comes back 
you know, focused and looked like the Randu from the year we went to the playoffs, you know. And but at, at this point, uh, I'm I'm almost over it. It's just like go either go with what you have, and instead of getting you know fleeced, you know that that's just. My, my yeah, well, own look, opinion. I, I, I hear you, Dante, and I think for Nick fans, uh, you know, they don't want to see a, a replay. And thanks for the phone call. They don't want to see a replay of the Mello deal, right? Like uh, it was clear at the time they could have waited for Mello to become a free agent. Instead, they make the deal. They give up too much in the deal, and then they're kind of playing catch up from that point on. So, uh, yeah, you don't want. I think most Nick fans want Donovan Mitchell if you can get him at the at your your price, maybe a, a little bit of an overpay, but not giving up the entire store. You can't give, you can't. And that's the thing. Like the Knicks don't need to make this deal. It would improve them. It would make them better, but they don't need to just say, Hey, you know what? We have to have this guy come hell or high water because again, like they're a better team, but they're not a top four team. They're not a title contender. There's probably not a player that exists in the NBA that makes the Knicks a title contender just by themselves. And whoever that is, it's not Donovan Mitchell. So they should – I think that they're they're doing the right thing. I think past regimes would have panicked by now and just given in to whatever Danny Ainge wants. And who knows, maybe they will panic down the road and overpay for him. But I'm waiting to see what the deal turns out to be before I'm saying we absolutely have to have him or there's no way you can make this deal.